Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler. Join as always by Salim Surawala. Salim, how are you doing today? Ed, I'm doing great. Uh, it's a nice Sunday morning, sunny outside. Um, yeah, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. And uh, we haven't had as many Bulls games this week, only uh, two games. But uh, we had a really good showing against the Washington Wizards uh, on Friday. And as we're recording today, they'll face the Dallas Mavericks. So, and we have a game against the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. So some pretty exciting games that we're going to get to this week as the Bulls continue their win streak up to nine games right now. So uh, that's tied for, I mean, I, I can't remember the like longest Bulls uh, win streak uh, like recently, but I mean, this is a pretty significant win streak, obviously, right? Yeah, I think it's the longest win streak since uh, April 6th, like 2011, they said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty crazy. I think you mentioned we obviously put Dallas in it. I think Luca's supposed to be out, so oh. that should be another. Um, so they're gonna uh, get easier. 10. Yeah, they should get ten uh, without a uh, Luca, but you never know. Obviously, every team yes. can surprise and be the any other team. So obviously, the Bulls will have to be prepared. But I think yeah, that should. Uh, they should give them 10. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, if they have like a nice lead that they can keep that lead and not blow it in garbage time. Cause that it's funny how they always like kill their point point differential. Um, late, like yet yeah, last game, they were up by like what, 14, 15. And then the, yeah. you have like the bench clear out and then the garbage time minutes and the wizards score like nine garbage time points out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Dallas, Detroit, Brooklyn, Golden State Friday, Boston Saturday, and even if we fast track to uh, next Monday, they'll be in Memphis against uh, Ja Moran and the Red Hot Grizzlies. So the uh, schedule is definitely picking up, and we're going to see if, how long this win streak ultimately will last. But uh, we're in good spirits. The Bulls have been playing great basketball, still number one in the Eastern Conference. And to help us break down this week and you know what the Bulls are going to be doing this upcoming week, he is a writer and contributor for Bleacher Nation and Bleacher Nation Bulls, Elias Schuster. Elias, man, thank you for joining us today, man. Thank you guys for having me. This is a, this is a great time to come on the show. I mean, one, it's always great to talk about uh, to talk about basketball and specifically Bulls basketball. But to be able to do it at a time like this, uh, you know, a first time uh, since the 2011 that they've been on this win streak, uh, I'm excited. So thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. So again, this, this win streak has been great. The Bulls are clicking on a lot of cylinders right now. And what's even more impressive about this is they're missing players still. So no Javante Green right now, no Alex Caruso right now, but we've been seeing players stepping up. Kobe White has been big. Io DeSumo has been really big uh, off the bench. And it's looking like when this team finally gets healthy and uh, have players out of protocol, like they're going to have a lot of options in that rotation. Like the, the guard depth on this team is just very luxurious right now. And the sudden development of Kobe White even improving as a defensive player and kind of becoming like a two-way player. I mean, that just makes it even better. So let's get into this win streak, especially these games against Washington and Orlando that they had this week. What stood out to you this week about what you saw from this team as they continue their nine-game win streak? Well, I think you just you just touched on it, right? I mean, like we're seeing elements of this bench and of this depth improve at a rate that one, I don't think we expected, and two, we didn't know if it was at all possible. So when we look at you know someone like I think Kobe White, we kind of hoped that this would be the guy that we got, right? This would be the the player that uh, I think this front office 
wanted when they decided to keep him during their mass exodus of the team. We saw this offseason. I mean, you know, when you get rid of everybody, they clearly thought that White had something. Otherwise, he would have been gone. And so they did that with everybody else. So this is kind of the guy I think they were expecting. And and it's good to see it. And I don't think it's necessarily shocking that, um, you know, it's happening. There was like that kind of early season crowd and they're like, all right, well, it's time to move on from Kobe, blah, blah, blah. But we have to remember he's only played like 20 games, right? Like I can't, I don't know the exact amount, but it was like, I know it's around that mark where that's the amount of games he's played this season. So it's good to see him getting comfortable in his role. Um, hopefully when Alex Caruso comes back and the bench is rounded out a little bit more, um, he can continue to offer this. He's going to go through hot and cold stretches. That's who he is, but this is much closer to the guy we expected. Um, going along with that, I mean, I would assume of stepping up and being a contributor like this. I don't even think the front office could have expected this. This is somebody that they obviously were high on somebody that should have been a first round pick. Um, and the future in the future of him, this was hopefully what we'd get maybe in a couple seasons from now, you know, he could, he would be able to contribute at a high level, but he's doing that 30 something games into his NBA career, which is completely unexpected. Um, and yeah, I mean, even just guys like Derek Jones, Jr. Um, Javante Green is now injured, but you know, he was here during the start of this, um, this win streak. You're seeing the bulls bench, which a lot of people questioned at the beginning of the year. Do they have the talent? Uh, do they have the depth to be able to compete with um, these, these higher up teams? in the Easter conference who are a little bit more established. Uh, we're learning now that they do. And uh, that's why you're able to withstand all these injuries, all of these people entering protocols. And that's what ultimately makes a pretty good team. <laughs> if you're able to have that, this, this depth, I guess the bucks were some sort of uh, aberration to that last season when they were able to win with like playing s- seven guys. Uh, but that's what Giannis will do. But otherwise it's usually this depth is super important. Mm. Yeah. I, I think you, you guys touched on like guys like Kobe and Io and a guy like Io, he's he's contributing since the start of the season, which was like you said, Elias is shocking that or surprising that a guy we picked in the second round was able to come in and at least defensively right away he was able to show his impact. Offensively, he was a little shaky um, at times, but now as the season's progressed on, you're seeing him kind of settle down offensively too and, and make better plays out there. A lot of times in the start of the season, when he had to like put the ball on the floor, he would try to either rush a shot or just kind of get like, I don't know if he would have flustered is the right word, but he, it would just, things wouldn't go right when he would do uh, try to like create a play. But now you're kind of seeing him see the floor. It's kind of like something's clicked out there where he's like, I said, he's seeing the floor better not rushing himself, kind of pacing himself on offense, and even kind of like, you know, in game, when when guys are, uh, when Bradley Beal, it was that little funny thing he had with Bradley Beal, where he was getting caught traveling back-to-back on those, um, the the base uh, sideline plays and going to going baseline, but Bradley Beal told them, like, no, don't be, don't be indecisive, like, just make a quick move when you get the ball, don't, don't and hesitate or whatever. And, you know, Bradley Beal, he told him to do that. And then IO did that. And then he joked about it, like, Oh, well, I didn't tell you to do that against me. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of shows you like that, how quickly he's picking these things up and, and being a contributor. And then Kobe as well, like you're seeing something click with him too. Um, we've always seen him being a good off ball scorer, being able to spot up, but now his vision on the co- on the court, like the way he's, he's processing the game, has changed as well. You're seeing better defense out of him too, like better better like screen navigation, staying in front of his man, um, and all that. Honestly, I attribute to having a having a like guards like Lonzo Caruso, having a guy like Demar on offense who knows how to run an offense. I think all of that plays into it too. Like where you have older, older players who are good impact players and just generally like have high feel to the game that also translates into your young players too. So I think all these little different things that have been happening for our, where our young players have also the, the, our older players that are been around for a while have contributed as well. Yeah, I hundred. I mean, I hundred percent agree. I think it's it's having somebody like. I mean, I look at Io, right? Like for Io Zumu, I mean, having somebody like DeRozan there, I think is so important for Zumu. 
because of the fact, and we saw that he was there. It was, it was awesome to see him uh, in Champaign for Isles Jersey retirement, but that's the perfect kind of mentor for at least Isles offensive game. I think because don't get me wrong. Just is an athletic guy. I mean, he, you know, especially in transition, his acceleration to the rim is getting downhill. He's, he's great. And he's, he's really well-rounded athlete, but he's not necessarily this ridiculously explosive high flying. You know, he's not going to like blow past you. He's, he's kind of more methodical scorer. And we kind of saw that in, um, during his college days. I mean, he has a good mid range jumper. Uh, he's kind of crafty around the rim. Um, it, you know, he's not necessarily going to kill you with these pull-up threes or whatever. He's a good pull-up mid range shooter, but the thing with, with Tsuma was he's kind of more of a controlled player. And I think that's, that's who DeRozan is. Right. And, and having somebody like him to, to help teach him, okay, this is how you get to your spots. This is how you, you know, you rise up. This is how you can catch a guy, uh, you know, tripping on defense and, and force foul. But, but I think that for Io specifically, DeRozan's a great offensive mentor. And then when you look at somebody like Lonzo, uh, who is bigger than IO, but he kind of has some of the similar defensive tendencies that IO could have, uh, just using his length to, to be disruptive, you know, cutting off passing lanes, which we've already seen IO do pretty, pretty well. Um, it, those are just two guys and, and you bring it up. I think that, that that's completely true. It's just having these guys around him has been able to just speed up his, his pace and also him coming in as, you know, an older rookie anyway is helpful. But uh, he's that's been great to be able to see him have these mentors. And I think you can see on the court how they're impacting him. Yeah, I think uh, when we look when we look back at the previous years, when we have when we were rebuilding with all of these young players, the thing that was always missing was having these really, really good veterans who could allow the young players to develop at a more gradual pace. I think we were throwing guys out there like Lowry and Chris Dunn and whoever and saying, all right, go out there and become all stars and you know figure it out. And, you know, hopefully it happens in year three and year four. And sometimes that can happen depending on the player. But when you look at players like Kobe White, when you look at players like Io DeSumo, they're benefiting from not always having all of the eyes on them. They can just play their role. Io can come in, he can play defense and he can hit an open shot. Kobe can come in and when he's playing with Zach and he's playing with the Rosen even if uh, Vooch is on the floor, he's the fourth guy. So he can just play his role and he can go on the defensive end. He's learning to make an impact that way too. So it it benefits everyone. And we even saw it with like another former bull. You look at Bobby Portis and what he did with Milwaukee. Like Bobby wasn't asked to go out there and get 20 and 10 as a star. He's asked to come off the bench, bring some energy, hustle, and get your points when they come within the flow. And he does that. Same thing with campaign in Phoenix. So when you have all these young guys who are placed in these roles that are not too high, they can exceed that way. So this structured way for the Bulls is really benefiting the team. So with that said, when, when we're looking forward uh, to this team, when they get everybody back, how do you see this rotation playing out? Like, the, again, the Bulls have this luxurious uh, group of guards with Zach and Lonzo and uh, Caruso and Kobe and uh, Io now and it, DeRozan I guess is theoretically a guard but plays like, small forward power forward whichever but they, they have so much depth there so there's going to be probably some smaller lineups where guys slide up to the three or whatever but how do you see this rotation playing out? Well I think Billy you know has shown us uh, during his time in in OKC that he's not afraid of, of playing those three guard lineups that was something that uh, I know that was talked about a lot during the offseason as well when we were kind of heading into um, this campaign and I, and I feel like uh, he's not gonna be afraid you know with a bench unit to throw out Caruso and and um, you know Kobe and Sumo maybe you know like if, if that's what he needs to do he'll try it so I think he's gonna try to squeeze in the minutes for everybody Uh especially with the thing that kind of helps him now is actually having Javante have to sit out for a little while here. He can kind of have a little more time to figure out maybe what he wants to do. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's kind of a tough question to answer. You know, I think like it's, it's a good one to ask, but it's so, and I'm glad that I'm not the one who has to figure it all out because I think you have a lot of talented, uh, talented guards who, who need this time on the, on the floor and who are versatile enough, especially defensively to, uh, have them on the floor to guard, you know, bigger players at the wing. And uh, we've already seen Caruso and Lonzo and Javante even uh, hang with some power forwards. So the versatility is there and there's a lot of options. Uh, but I'm glad I don't have to make the to, to divvy up the minutes because it's not going to be, 
to be easy to, to figure out the best way to use all of this talent. But that's a great problem to have. And it's, and it's the first time that we've had that problem in a long time. Yeah, I think, you know, I look at the minutes of what we've been doing right now and kind of, you know, switching around names. So, like, for example, the last game, you had Lonzo got 34 minutes. Uh, Io got 31 minutes. Kobe got 31 minutes. Uh, Troy, Brown, Troy Brown Jr. got 13 minutes. So when I look at when I look at that and just switch around the names, Troy Brown Jr. Fortunately, not anything he that he's done that's bad. I think he's been pro- like productive when he's played. Um, unfortunately, he's probably just going to be back on the bench when Caruso comes back. So I, I can see. I can see Caruso kind of getting like that. Uh, sorry, not Caruso. Um, instead of uh, Troy Brown Jr. getting like that 13 minutes, I can see uh, Ayo going to about 15, between 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, Kobe being about 20, 20, 20 to 30 minutes in that between area. But then you kind of see Lonzo and Caruso take up that bulk of the minutes right there. So I think that's what's probably going to likely to happen. Now, Obviously, it's game by game could be different depending on how better someone is playing. But I mean, that's got that's kind of what I'm envisioning the rotation being like. Like, what do you, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, I guess the kind of the minute breakdown. Like I said, I'm a guy like Tory Brown Jr. who who's not been bad by any means, uh, but he just kind of kind of because of the depth on this team, he kind of loses out. I think the only thing that I'd I'd say to that. On, is I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think Troy Brown Jr. is going to be the you know the odd man out. We've already seen that this season. I just think you honestly need Io to play more minutes at this point, and maybe that becomes a point where he's playing. You know, maybe maybe he kind of cools down a bit, especially on the defensively. But everything we've seen so far, it's going to be really hard not to be playing him. I think a little bit. You know, early twenties. You know, you, I feel like you have to play him around twenty minutes or more, just because of the fact of what he's doing specifically on the defensive end. Uh, the way he's been able to hang with with you know Beal and Trey Young and all these guys has been incredibly impressive. And I know you kind of bring that. I guess you kind of bring that back without Caruso on the court, and uh, especially depending on how you're divvying up the minutes between the starters and the second unit if Lonzo's out there. But some of the stuff that I was been doing uh, defensively, it just makes it feel um, that much more important right now to have him out there. But yeah, then I counter, you know, I, I go back on myself because I guess if Caruso's out there, then maybe you don't need that as much. Mm. I, I I like that within this problem, there are so many different combinations that they can use because, and, and we've talked about this the last uh, few shows, but they have all these guards who don't really, you don't really lose anything on either end by t- like, by putting them on the floor, especially now with Kobe White being able to defend, like this is this is his best defensive season yeah. so far of his career. So now that you're essentially bringing three guards off the bench who have two way ability, on top of already having Lonzo Ball and then having an elite scorer in Zach Levine, the combinations are endless, and they can throw so much at these teams. Like again, we were talking about this uh, last show, but the fact that they when they were facing Trey Young. That they were able to, that they adjusted, and originally they had Kobe White on Trey Young, and Kobe's been better anyway. defensively, but that's still like <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, that's still not that's still not his own yet. But uh, the fact that they were able to throw Javante Green and Io Dasunmu effectively at Trey Young while not having to put one of their better players on him, like a Zach Levine or Demar Derozan or whatever, that is going to be really important going forward, especially when you face some like big time wing scorers. So this team has that luxury where they can put, put guys like Javante or Io or Lonzo or Caruso and Levine and DeRozan don't have to face them. So the cross matching is really good. So that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to when they get this healthy group back. Yeah. The only thing I, I, I'd say, I think that's going to have to go into the decision is you know who's got more, who's got more length, who's bigger. I think this is why Javante has, has been so important this year mm-hmm. and why he will continue to be important when he comes back. Um, you know, same thing with Io, who offer, who's going to be able to offer you a little bit more, um, a little bit more length and, and just kind of, uh, he, he's still a better defender right now than Kobe is, even though Kobe has been doing a great job on defense. It's just, uh, when we look at this, the, the team over this winning streak, it's funny because, uh, it might be the longest active winning streak in the NBA, but they're also playing, I think 
what the 23rd their defense is ranked 23rd since december 1st Mm -hmm. so their defense has not been playing well uh at all (laughs) and when you look at the numbers it's it's kind of hard to realize because their offense has been second best in the nba since december 1st so you see them dropping 130 points you know i think probably what five times um over the last 10 games or whatever it's been. So it's kind of hard to, to feel like you want to pick at things, but the defense is just uh, struggled. And a lot of that is the front court. I mean, you're still missing. Um, you're still missing kind of that, that true rim protector. Vooch is an underrated defender uh, in terms of just his ability to be in the right position at the right time. And honestly, his, his ability to contest shots this year has been even better than it has been in years past. But, uh, but the front court stuff has been a little bit sketchy and they've been allowing, I think the second most, I think it was the second most points in the paint since December as well. So those teams that are bigger, like you mentioned, uh, teams with bigger wings, teams that are a little bit bigger, they're going to be pounding it in on this Bulls team and getting to the rim. And the Bulls have been able to score, hasn't been a problem. But as uh, as we near playoff time and even the trade deadline, uh, that's something that they're going to have to keep in mind still is, is what are we going to do about that power, power forward position? So uh, if you're the front office, you have to ask yourself that question. So how do you, so let's get into that then. So how do you, address these needs approaching the trade deadline for this team because you know Javante Javante Green as fun as he's been and as solid as he has been there is still the concern that when you get into a playoff series he could become potentially unplayable for long minutes because he's not a threat to make shots from the outside and we've seen like screenshots and clips of teams like I'm thinking of the Knicks like one of the Knicks games where the Knicks weren't even guarding him and he was just like behind a three point line, right. with nobody around him. So that's something that they can exploit. So you you definitely want somebody who can uh, hit the three point shot and can still give you some decent value defensively. And then you're mentioning, uh, you know, having another big off the bench, maybe like a rim runner, shot blocker, someone athletic who can get the job done that way, or you know, maybe they can step out and hit a three, whatever, whatever. So what are you thinking in terms of trade targets? Like I think. Recently, we've had a bunch of shows where we talked about Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant, and those could be very appealing options. But I think there is, you know, some hesitance among fans to potentially see someone like Patrick Williams be moved, and you know, maybe AK would not want to do that. So maybe there would be some cheaper options. So, what would you have in mind to kind of address these uh, gaps on the team? Well, I'm actually gonna. I don't want. I don't want to be a jerk here, but I want to flip this around because I'm curious. I just kind of curious to know what kind of what what you guys are thinking even uh, before <laughs> yeah. I go ahead and give some names, because yeah, I know you guys have talked about, like you said, Jeremy Grant, and Harrison Barnes, but are there kind of types that, that you guys think about right away? Cause I honestly think I was thinking about this last night for a little bit. And I do have a list that uh, I can throw out there and some names that I think I could throw out there. But did you get, do you guys think it's hard? It's hard to find kind of the middle ground. It's actually easier to think of these trades for Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes, because you're like, well, it has to include Patrick Williams and like, Oh, it might have to, you know, include Kobe white. Like, then you get into this, these other kind of t- this other tier of just like, okay, we need a guy who can come and give you 18 minutes off the bench, 15 minutes off the bench, uh, power forward. Like, who are you giving up for that? Who do you want to give up for that? What does that trade actually look like? It's kind of hard to, to think about. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would make like the Portland pick available, obviously, uh, in a trade. Um, there's probably names out there. Like, I know Larry Nance Jr., that was a big um conversational point in like the off season about who the Bulls could trade like Lowry for. Um and obviously that almost happened, but the Bulls decided to go with the uh Derek Jones Jr. and and that Portland pick instead. Um but there's like guys like, you know, uh, that could like I said, not only him, but other guys like um I don't know if he's available, another guy who's kind of been talked about, uh Kyle Anderson. Um slow-mo from uh, the Grizzlies. I don't know if he's, like I said, I don't know if he's available, but he would be an, int- I think he would be a good fit. Uh, another guy, another guy on the Grizzlies is uh, Brandon Clark. Um, names like that. I'm thinking like you, I don't think you would have to give up Kobe or Pat for like, you could probably get him for a draft pick. Right. Um, and particularly that Portland, Portland pick uh, you can potentially give, or even, even, uh, I would say probably the Portland pick because I don't know if the Bulls can still trade their own pick, even if they have that Portland pick. Um, I'm not sure if they're allowed to trade their own pick yet, just because they um, not until draft day at least. But 
yeah, those are some of the names I'm thinking of. Obviously, uh, to- another guy that I really like is Tory Craig, who again would fit into yeah, the, yeah. The, the the TPE, and I think he'd be perfect as far as uh, a defensive guy, like guys that you can ask to defend Giannis. I mean, you're not going to stop Giannis one on one, anyways. You have to do it as as a team, but at least somebody you can throw at him and try to make it a little tougher. Um, and overall, he's been one of the really good defensive players. Like you saw what he did against DeMar, like how he made DeMar really work for every bucket that he was getting. So, yeah, those are just some of the names on, on top of my head that that I'm thinking about that, you know, like I say, you, you wouldn't have to give up Kobe or Pat. And at this point, I don't know about where you guys are at, but I almost want to I almost want to make Kobe not untouchable, but unless you're getting back an, uh, another explosive score um, that can really, really do a lot of work on offense, because the way Kobe can like really generate offense, create in the half court, um, that that's important in the playoffs. Like especially when you have guys doubling down on Zach and Demar, having another guy like that that can make tough shots, like a tough shot maker that's going to be so important in the playoffs. And and you have a guy like Kobe. I, I'm not sure I want to give him, give him up for uh, a, a small upgrade at the four, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. I'm me, not give, Yeah. I, I would hundred percent agree. I'm not, I, I think Kobe at this point, you can't get rid of him because it's that typical issue that you, you, you get into when you're like, okay, I'm going to trade away this player. But then if you trade away that player, you're looking for a player just like that player. And so with Kobe, you can't, it, I don't think there's, it makes any sense to get rid of him right now, considering the the kind of burst that we've seen from him over this past month. Um, but also, they just need that that spark plug score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, I I think on the topic of like adding front court depth or getting like a rim running big man or someone who can add some defensive help to the team off the bench, I I think. That one I'm not as worried about because I think typically there are going to be players who are like waived or bought out after the trade deadline and maybe there will be a market there. And I think you can typically yeah. find guys later in the season who do that. Like that's not a, a huge role that I think is like a rarity in this league. So, you know, we can see what happens there or maybe, you know, maybe someone will uh, become available during a tra- for a trade. I think... It's tough for me thinking of options like cheap options that will help with the with someone who can come in and be a starter without giving up Patrick Williams or you know Kobe or whoever. Like I understand it, but it's really tough. Like I, I mean, some of the names yeah. that you guys mentioned, like, I could I could see those, but it's tough finding a guy who you think can come in and make a really big impact. So, well, I, I think I, what's tough. Oh, oh yeah, no, go keep going, keep going. Yeah, so I, I it, it's it's tough on that end. Uh. I, I get the hesitance on Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant because like Patrick Williams is still really young and we know that there's a lot of upside there and you know Barnes and Grant they're not sexy players even if I do think that they can make your team better I don't think they're gonna make you the odds on favorite to win the East but I do think that they increase your odds like pretty mm-hmm. noticeably and especially Harrison Barnes like I I, I know that uh. Uh, when we had a uh, John Savon on a, our last episode, he called Harrison Barnes a math equation, which was funny. But I, I look at Harrison Barnes and like the guy makes open shots. He's not an awful defender, not an amazing defender, but not awful. Like he's, he's passable. And I think he has the versatility to play the three or the four. So it, it can definitely improve you. It's just a matter of whether you want to give up Patrick Williams for that. One thing that I've been thinking about related to all of his um, – Patrick Williams stuff is I I wonder if fans are getting caught up right now in terms of trying to play the future as hard as they play the present. And while there are valid reasons to not trade Patrick Williams, I do think that and and I keep thinking back to all of the good Bulls teams that we've had post dynasty. Like I'm thinking like 2006, 2007 Bulls. They um Got to the second round after sweeping Miami, lost to Detroit. It was okay. Well, you know, no big deal. We be we'll be back. They didn't get back. I'm thinking 2010-11 Bulls lost to Miami in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Mm, no big deal. We'll be back. They didn't get back. I'm thinking that Jimmy Butler team that lost to Cleveland uh, with Paul Gasol, whatever, whatever. Uh, we might be back. They didn't get back. So a lot of times, your best chance 
is when it's happening. You know it. So I, I think we kind of have to recognize that this, like, I, I'm not saying this seems just going to completely fall off a cliff, but I, I don't right. want to get into the assumption that there are going to be multiple windows where we're going to have better chances. A lot of times your best chance can be in the moment. So I, I think we should be at least like aware of that in a sense. Right. And then that's, I think that's the balance that this front office is, is that's the really annoying question that they have to answer. And another one that, you know, it's like, I, I always feel great that I don't have to be the one to, to truly make these decisions and I can just sit there and pick apart whatever decision they make, but they, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because the, you sit there and I a hundred percent agree with you. Like a window is only open for so long. And it feels like that's one of those things that teams learn the hard way over and over and over again. It's like, you never realize you're in the window when you're in it. And you always think the window is open longer than it is. So you kind of always have to be thinking now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. Um, so I don't necessarily just dis- disagree with the idea of going after someone like Jeremy Grant or going after Harrison Barnes, especially because those guys have an extra, they, I think they both still have next year on their contract. Right. So you kind of do, you do inherently keep that window open a little bit longer just because y- you have both those guys for another year. And there is no doubt that if you add a player of that caliber, uh, your chances of, of winning becomes that much more likely because let's say knock on wood um, that you even have, you know, some sort of injury, not, not season ending, but an injury or whatever. That's another type of player, a level of player that can help you scale off an injury to one of your, your bigger pieces. Mm-hmm. But to stay on the, the topic of, uh, I, sorry for turning it around and I know you guys, you guys said like, you know, me an idea of what we might talk about. And I was like, Oh, this is a good one. I'm very curious to hear what they have to say. Cause what I think about is like, even the Portland pick is like kind of pretty valuable. It feels like, right. Like it feels like that Portland pick is, is, I mean, it, I guess it depends on, on, you know, what, what's going to keep happening with this players team, but there's a world where that's a pretty valuable pick and the protection exists for a couple of years. So you can get it next year or whatever. But uh, so I don't even know if it like, can you just give that up for a decent, you know, bench guy? Like, I don't know if you want to do that, but I'll throw out some names. I think like guys that I could see potentially coming available. Um, and this could help. I'm thinking either at the four, um, or the five, uh, off the bench, you know, maybe you, you grab like Derek favors from the thunder, uh, Chris Boucher from the Raptors. I tried to think my thought process was like, who, what teams might become sellers and obviously bad teams are going to be willing to sell, but like, could the Raptors just be turned into a team that sells finally? Um, Tory Craig was on there. I a hundred percent agree. I think he's somebody that you can go after. Uh, Trey Lyles on Detroit. That's a cheap option that maybe you can, uh, he has the kind of size to be able to give you what you want. Um, then I kind of started to think about who are the players that maybe you can snatch in like these three team deals, kind of like the bulls did, you know, in Lowry. Like who's somebody who maybe some team like the Hornets, let's say they go have they become a heavy hitter and they want to grab Miles Turner or they want to grab somebody like can you sneak in there and you take someone like PJ Washington off their hands in some sort of three team deal? Um, Cam Reddish is obviously going to be out there. He can kind of help. He has the size to at least help you at the four. Uh, Robert Covington is a name that's always out there, and one that I think is going to be a sneaky trade target. This this uh, Deadline will be Kendrick Williams on Oklahoma City, on the Oklahoma State Thunder. That's a guy who can guard multiple positions. Uh, he isn't going to be, you know, putting the ball on the floor and attacking the rim necessarily, but he doesn't have to on this team. He's a good pocket passer, uh, somebody who can slide into the team, I think, without a concern. He's what twenty-seven years old, so he's got he's got plenty of plenty of NBA experience. Uh, his deep ball is pretty solid too. He's somebody that I think if you can get him for, and he's it's going to be pretty cheap depending on what the market looks like that that can be a good ad too. So I think there are names out there. It's just like, how are you going to get them? What are you willing to give up to get them? Um, and can you, like I said, can maybe you just grab one of these guys when they are part of a three team deal of some kind. And you're just that, that team that slides in to fill that need that you have. I feel like a guy like PJ Washington would probably cost Kobe. Uh, I mean, He's pretty good. Yeah, it depends. Like I said, I th- oh, I 100% agree. He's pretty good. I think his season, this season's a little less than what some people were expecting. And uh, like I said, it would have to be a situation where like they're just get, like the Hornets kind of are just super excited because they're, gra- you know, they're grabbing a Miles Turner type or something. And then maybe you get you, you send that first and some salary and you end up adding him to the team. I don't know. Like it, it was just yeah. 
You're, no. you're talking, I agree. He is good. He's like the best name on that list. So. Yeah. Like yeah. he would be a nightmare for on, on this team. If you think about it, like he could, he could hit the open three. Like he's shooting 43% on threes this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's a solid defensive big, like he's not, I mean, he's not a great by any means, but like he, he can, especially in a team at aspect, he can, he can probably do pretty well. Um, I mean, he's not decent on the boards. Not again, not great, but decent. I think he would be like a real problem for teams. Um, like especially if you're, he's your fourth, fourth, fifth best starter. That's that's pretty. That's pretty good. And I, I do think that would cost more than. Um, yeah, the Bulls might be willing to give up for him. Right. Yeah, that's a the Hornets have some good pieces. I mean, with T.J. Washington, Kelly Oubre has been pretty good. Like. They got a ton of young guys too. Yeah. I mean, they they have like yeah. a really nice nice roster. Like I liked a lot of the guys that they scooped up in this recent draft and just added. I mean, they got like JT Thor, super young, uh, out of what Auburn. He was I thought he was a lot of fun, and I think he could be really good down the road. Great length, could put the ball on the floor. Um, yeah, they just have, they they have a fun group of, of young players. And Book Knight, James Book Knight, yeah. fun name. Who, but, so do you have yeah, like that, a so do you have like a top, like who? You know, in a perfect world, I guess, like we can take uh, Barnes and Grant off the table, but like per- perfect world outside of them, who would be like your top target if, you know, if you could do it? Again, yeah, I guess it depends on what, what are you what you're going to give up. Right. But I think if if we're talking like not giving up a Patrick Williams or a Kobe White and maybe you're throwing this pick out. I would just look at people who have been there, done that, have the experience. So, you know, if you're going to add someone like I, I would go after someone like Tory Craig, I think that'd be a great addition for somebody who has the experience playing on winning teams. Uh, even Robert Covington, I don't know uh, how much Portland's going to be asking uh, for him, but that's another guy. Like that's exactly the, you, that's the type of player you see Craig or Covington um, that you see on these like finals bound teams a lot of the times, right? Like I think about a PJ Tucker type, you know, just somebody that like, you know that they're not going to be out there to give you much offensively. And it's always great if they can be out there and hit the open three, but you just want someone to be at that four and be like a pest on defense, have the size, like have the energy to just go at some of these bigger Eastern uh, conference front court guys. So I look at those guys, Covington, Torrey Craig, I still think Kenrich Williams would be a fun pickup as just an off the bench guy uh, from the thunder. Like I said, I think he's kind of going to be a uh, potentially underrated asset. Um, this deadline. I think you can see a lot of contending teams kind of sniffing around him. Uh, and I think actually, I think Zach Lowe on ESPN may have mentioned his name recently as well, but uh, not for the bulls, which is as a name to, to look out for, but yeah, kind of like that type. I mean, it, it, it hopefully that's somebody you can just like flaunt the pick out. I guess you can't, you're going to give the pick back to uh, Portland for Covington. I don't know. But no, I like the uh, idea. I like the idea of Covington. I think that's like, I think that's a yeah. like solid role guy. He's not like what 12, Point five million in salary, so uh, I'm I can't even think of the numbers in my head of how we could match up, but surely that would probably be like what like Troy Brown, like it's just funny contracts. because the best salary that the Bulls have and the best like the most interesting player to to trade with that salary is Derrick Jones Jr. So it's yeah. like, but you're not going to give him, <laughs> you're yeah. not going to give him back to to Portland. But yeah, he's honestly their yeah. best salary. Yeah, you can't obviously because they can't trade for him back. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Speaking of players that we've been talking about, like a Tory Craig, so the Pacers just made uh, Lance Stevenson the they guaranteed his contract for the rest of the season. So nice. maybe that comes into play where maybe a Tory Craig does become available because uh, they kind of play similar positions. Uh, so maybe right. that's something they're they're kind of you know getting ready to okay, let's see if we can offload some of these other players. Um, on you know teams that are contending because obviously the Pacers have been talking about all season uh, whether they should blow it up or not. I don't know. Like obviously the trade deadline will be looming in the next like month or so. Maybe they will start doing that now. Um, but yeah, that's just something interesting that I just saw um, you know come across that they decided to keep Lance Stevens. So maybe so that maybe that's a sign of them getting ready to start making some moves. What do you guys think? AK wants to do because that guy is such a sneaky, like sneaky jerk when it comes to yeah. like trying to try to read his face. Like I think I tweeted the other day, like I, I swear there's probably no poker game that he has ever lost. And <laughs> I just have to imagine that he 
I don't know what he has left to sleep. Like it's so hard. Like I try, you know, to read through, read the tea leaves um, on his 670 score interview the other day. And I wrote about it over on, uh, on Bleacher Nation, but it just kind of was pointing out like, to me, it did kind of sound like he's, He's, com- he's comfortable with what he has and that he's going to be looking for more of what we're talking about here, which is those non those options that you don't give up these assets. And he, he but he, cause he, he was speaking so favorably this, of this roster. And, you know, what's funny is he did the same thing. You can say like, Oh, he did the same thing last year. Cause he did. I mean, if you go back and listen to his interviews, he was talking about how before the deadline that he really liked this group and they were starting to progress and blah, blah, blah. And he gave like, no, no hint that he was going to go after a boot or anything like that. But, um, but then it's easier to believe him when he talks like that this year, because this is his roster for the first time, right? Like this is his group. So maybe he is telling the truth and he totally likes this group and he doesn't want to rock the boat. He's worried about the chemistry. I and he also brought up. The next, well, the next I'll, I'll say this yeah. last year when, when they were talking about trades, he gave up, gave away a tell that he wanted to make a big move, but he said, because remember, if you remember, he, he, he was kind of frustrated that teams, were still thinking that they were in a play-in, so they don't want to deal. Like he he made a, a comment like that. How he did say it was rushed. harder to figure out who's sellers because of everybody yeah. wanting well, he was to saying, play. Yeah, and he kind of he kind of said like he and he seemed annoyed by that because he because he seemed like he wanted to get uh get something going. Um, right. right now he's kind of saying like, yeah, I don't want to ruin chemistry, which kind of I honestly hints towards yeah we're probably not going to see a huge trade happen yeah at the deadline like we like we saw last year um something small i mean obviously trading pat wouldn't hurt chemistry because he hasn't played all season really um but who you bring in could yeah I mean, who you bring no, 100%, in 100 who you bring in definitely could like if you bring in like a uh jamie grant or, or harrison barnes that definitely disrupts uh other players on the team. So like I said, the guys that we've been talking about right now for this, this uh, uh, show so far, those guys don't really disrupt chemistry. Like they come in kind of seamlessly fit in. So I'm almost thinking that that's, what's going to happen. Like a smaller move. Um, it was mm-hmm. interesting that they, they guaranteed Matt Thomas for the rest of the season. Yeah. Now, yeah. now maybe they just kind of felt like, you know, the, the salary is not too much. So, we don't want to screw him over by not giving him like that 1 million, 1.5 million, whatever on his contract. Uh, we can always cut him later. If we, we do end up wanting to use that traded player exception. Uh, or to, use to, the salary as part of a trade. I guess. That too, that too. Uh, so may, that could probably come into play as well. I, I think, I think it's more likely, like I said, a, a long answer short here. It's more than likely that he's going to make a small move. Like I'll be surprised if no move is made at all, but I, I think it's more likely he's going to make a small move to at least address the defensive uh, issues or, sh- or shortcomings in the front court. I, I think it's a yeah. good sign that in during this off season and the last trade deadline, he has not been hesitant to make a move, a big move. If he feels like this is what, like, this is what we need. So when he made the Vooch deal, when he made these deals for Alonzo and DeRozan, he's not been hesitant. So I, I think that's a really good sign if something big does present itself and it's a reasonable asking price. I don't think he's going to just make some deal just to say he made a deal. But I like that they have been aggressive when they – I like that they've been aggressive and I like that they've been decisive. And that's something that we mm-hmm. obviously have been missing uh, for a while. I think – one thing to consider here is if we see any of these top Eastern Conference teams also make moves. So if we're looking at, and I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on with them in terms of like transaction wise, but if the Nets or Milwaukee or Miami or maybe Philly does something or, you know, whatever, whatever, like if we see action with them, I'm going to wonder how much that's likely to influence AK to make something that can either keep up or at least sustain what we have. Because I think one thing that I, I like right now, obviously being number one in Eastern Conference is great, but if the Bulls can somehow sustain this, they could put put themselves in a situation where they don't have to see a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn, if those are two, three, until the Eastern Conference Finals, which is ideal. So yeah. it, it, it's almost like, can they hold on? 
can they make the moves that they need to hold on to this number one spot right now as we approach the halfway point of the season? So I, I, I could see a smaller move being made for sure, like a smaller but impactful move, which is definitely uh, realistic. But it, I, I definitely am curious to see if these other teams are going to make moves where they think, you know what, we need to do X, Y, Z to see if we can get that spot too. Yeah, because I guess for the first time you have uh, you actually the Bulls are actually the ones being chased instead of the, <laughs> the ones right, chasing. Yeah. So then yeah, that adds a whole nother. So it's a really good point. It adds a whole nother challenge in, in in this front office's brain of like, okay, if these teams below us are making moves, like we might be ahead of them, but now are we going to be behind them? So it's definitely something to to, to uh, definitely something to consider. I would also I was just thinking about um, the Tory Craig thing. And I think we should point out too that uh, he has played for AK before because he was in right. Denver for three years. So. I think that's an interesting connection uh, to look out mm-hmm. for. But yeah, I mean, on, on this topic of just like, what exactly are they going to do and how they might approach things? I think it was also kind of interesting that um, another maybe a maybe sign of, of him tipping his hand during that 670 to score interview was like, you know, he brought up that he likes how the Bucks, Nets and the 76ers, these are teams who have had, uh, and he specifically named those three teams who have had their their guys intact for a couple of years. And you saw the cores, the, those groups grow. And he's like, we've only had this for three months. So, uh, and then went in Denver. I mean, of course we saw it in Denver. Like that's a team that didn't have a ton of turnover. They liked what they had and they kept what they had. And, and you know, last year they made moves, but AK wasn't there. So, um, you know, he's somebody that has definitely played the, he's kind of played the long game and maybe he wants to do something differently now that he's in charge and that this is a different situation. It's totally possible. But there also is signs in the past that he is, kind of decided to build a more sustainable winning product than maybe push all the cards in. But big market can change things. You never know. And being first in the, the East can change things. So you never know. Yeah. I like the I like the balance. Like I, I think you you, you don't want to like radically change your team from year to year. Cause I mean obviously this is an NBA two K where, you know, you lose two games and oh, I'll just go trade my whole team for, you know, whoever whoever. So are you is this a subtweet to LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Keep going. We're, ta- we're taking shots at LeBron yeah. on our on our Yeah. Hey, New Year, New Me. So it's it's you definitely want to keep like some resemblance of the core there, but I, I like that I get the feeling that he won't ride it for too long. Like he won't just milk it and just keep milking it and milking it over and over right. again. So it's just like continuity is good. As long as we're getting the results, the optimal results. Exactly. That's and that's the one thing that I that I think uh, Bulls fans should really kind of get excited about in terms of this front office is the point that you just made, which is, you know, this. It's so nice that he's somebody that's not going to rock the boat just to rock the boat. But the moment he sees, you know, things aren't sailing as smooth, he's going to try to make an adjustment to fix things. Yeah. So. Um, I, I think he's already shown that he's already shown that he's not afraid to be aggressive when it matters, but now this is an opportunity. This is a new situation. This is an opportunity for us to see how does he handle when the situation is going super well? Does he try to like shove it all in to make sure that, you know, push all the cards in to make sure that, uh, that things stay this way, or is he going to be comfortable just waiting and then playing the waiting game? And then if, when things teeter off, then he'll make the move. Yeah, absolutely. So let's wrap with this so we've already kind of alluded to it in terms of looking at this eastern conference uh you know playoff picture as we approach the halfway point in the uh regular season and let me uh pull up these standings real quick but yeah so the bulls are uh first brooklyn uh second miami three milwaukee four philadelphia five and yep cleveland's rano charlotte washington boston so that that's the top 10 so if we're looking at this, there seems to be a pretty clear, I think, top five in terms of team quality in terms of the Bulls, Brooklyn, Miami, Milwaukee, and the Sixers. So if we're assuming that the Bulls can stay in the top five, and they should. So if we're assuming all of this, how do you like the Bulls' chances of making a deep playoff run? this season even even if they even if they just like keep what they have right now so let's say let's just say they no significant deals are made among these teams how do you like their chances right now when they get everybody back from caruso to green etc 
I, I, I really like their chances. I, I, that's not something, you know, it's not, it's because we've seen them play. This is not something that I would have uh, said during the offset after they made the moves in the offseason before the season started. Uh, I was, you know, uh, I was on the boat that they would make the, uh, that they would make the the playoffs, but, you know, I was thinking, can they compete for that succeed? Hopefully to keep, you know, to stay out of the, uh, to stay out of the uh, plan. But now, I mean, now that I look at this team and we've seen them play, uh, I definitely think the chance of them making a playoff run a long playoff run is pretty high. I mean, they have what you need when you look at what works in the playoffs, which is maybe besides that physical kind of front court body, um, which is why the Patrick Williams thing is, is really stinks. If you can get back would be huge. Mm. Cause I do think uh, just having his frame and having his size up there and his athleticism is so helpful, but what they're not missing is the mid range game. The game slows down. Their half court offense has gotten a lot better. You know, the fact that they are able to, the beginning of the year was all transition, but their half court uh, offense has really um, stepped up. Vooch has really settled into this new role. He's a great kind of uh, um, playmaker uh, out of the interior. And I just think they have that, uh, obviously that mid range game when the game slows down, you have two guys who rank in the top 10 of the NBA in scoring, which is the only team to have a duo like that. You have two guys who can get you a bucket at any time in the half court. And I just think when you have that, you cannot write this team off in it for any sort of long run. And then factor in the defense when you have the perimeter de- defenders that they do to be able to hang. When you have Lonzo and Caruso both healthy, those are two guys who can hang with elite wings in this league, who can stop elite point guards in this league. We've seen it time and again. So uh, I just think they have exactly what you need to go on a long playoff run. And that's why I think now now when you, when anyone sits there and talks about contenders and talks about what the finals might look like in the East, if the Bulls are not a name that comes up, sure. If you want to put Milwaukee and the Nets there because of the experience and that they have, you know, Milwaukee is the reigning champ. You can't write them off. Okay. But there's no way you can have this conversation right now with the way the Bulls are playing without mentioning it. Yeah. I think I'm interested to see how this team plays against the Bucks in a couple of weeks. Like I do think they can make a long playoff run, but right now I, what I'm, the way I see it is I would like to avoid the Bucks and the Nets in the second round. Um, that, that yeah, I think the Bucks me, are their worst matchup. Yeah, right now, well, it could, it certainly could be him, but maybe we see them, maybe we see them being able to overcome Giannis. Like, yeah, Giannis goes off. Giannis will go get his thirty-five, you know, fifteen or whatever. But maybe the Bulls do a good enough job on everyone else that it doesn't really factor in. But but that's we haven't seen that matchup yet because we haven't played them yet. Um, I'm right. hoping in two weeks. We see a full healthy Buck squad, and we see a full healthy Bull squad go at each other. That's that's something I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, you ideally like you know things that you've mentioned. We have guys that can create in a half court, like multiple guys. Not only two guys. I like when you add in Kobe. That gives you three guys that can really create like good offense in the half court. Um, Vooch can also like in his. In his right, in his own right, if you give him the ball in the high post, he can gen- generate looks not only for himself, but he can he tends to find guys uh, because he's a, he's such a good passer. He has good vision working out of there. So stuff like that, like when you can factor that in in the defense, um, guys like you said, Lonzo and AC that you know really go after it on the defensive end that really set the tone for the team. You definitely have the making of a team that can. That's a, that's a scary matchup, and that could hundred percent make you know make, get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And maybe if we things click just right, you end up making a run like the Suns did last year. Yeah, I, right. I, and I think the one other thing I just want to add real quick that uh, as you were talking, it made me think. I was like, let's also think about what are some usual finals teams that get to the finals. What are some usual tropes that like they fall into? It's like okay, you need team a team that is able to have like let's look at the heat when they went on their run like in a series you need a team that's going to be able to have like the jimmy game the bam game and then they had like a tyler hero game the lakers you know you need to have the lebron game obviously which he'll give you a couple you need to have the ad game and then hopefully you get a random like you know when they were on their run you get a random coos game or something you know what i mean so like you want to have those options where you're like okay we need a or you need a random booker game a random eight game a random chris paul game like those are that's the bulls have that they have that ability to give you that we'll give you a zach game we'll give you a demar game and we'll give you a vooch game those are three players who can win you a game by them like they've done it at a high level for a long time maybe their teams weren't as great as they were in the past but like 
those are three guys who have proven they can win in the Booch did it in the playoffs. I mean, there's that one remarkable game that they stole against the Bucks when the Orlando was an eighth seed a couple years back. Like, right? Yeah, he, he has the ability to give you that one that one game to give you a win in a series, I'd, and that's huge. And I think that's something we can't look past. I'd even put in a Lonzo game. Like Lonzo Balls had those oh, games sure, this season. Sure. Where right. He's just gone off like from three. <laughs> and again, yeah, Cody exactly. too. Like you bring up, he he can drop thirty. You know, I mean, I don't know if he'll get the minutes to drop thirty, but he. And the last, like we've talked about on this show the last couple of times, where if the Bulls, obviously DeMar hit those big game winners, but without Kobe, those games giving us 20 points each game that he had, the Bulls are not even in that game. Mm -hmm. So he's, like I said, another guy that, that can really, in that half court, generate really good looks for himself. And now he's also generating good looks for his teammates, so that that's even better. Yeah, and yeah. I, I want to circle back to something Salim said because that was a, it was a good point. He always makes good points, but this was a good point. <laughs> but uh, when he was talking about the matchup with Milwaukee, and we we obviously don't have someone who we can put on Giannis for an entire game. We don't have that guy. But it, so if Giannis gets his, he gets his. But if we can hold everyone else in check, there is a chance to win these games against the Bucs. So that's going to be interesting to see the strategy against them. And also to add too, with Kyrie Irving coming back and he's going to be playing these games on the road uh, with Brooklyn, we're also going to get to see this Nets team with their big three. So that's going to be something else that's, you know, worth watching and different from the first two times that we beat the Nets. So we're definitely going to learn a lot more about these teams these really good teams in the Eastern Conference these next couple of weeks that could possibly have an impact on the strategy that AK and Eversley have uh, going into the trade deadline. So it's going to be some really interesting games that really could uh, decide a lot about this team. Yeah, and I I think we should also remember the Heat too. Just You look at where they're at. Like They they haven't had Jimmy and Bam for like most of the season, I feel like, and they're still fourth in the East. Uh, So, and then, and then you, uh kicking the the spose factor he's he's like the bulls will be in a disadvantage as far as coaching like billy's a good coach i'm not i'm not hitting and taking a shot at billy but spo is like he's pretty much to me at least the best coach in the league yeah um so you factor in miami that they have their own pieces um that could be a tough like a very that's going to be a very tough series as well if the bulls end up playing Miami in the second round. Yeah, that, that's tough. Yeah, I, 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 I take that, though. I, I'm taking that over Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the second oh, 100%. round. Oh, yeah. 100%. I'll take that over Brooklyn and Milwaukee, too. But like I said, I don't think it should be uh, – the more you look at Miami and I was like, man, I, I don't think we should stop including them in this conversation when yeah. when we're talking about teams that can potentially make a run in the East. Yeah, well, it looks like – I think, I think yeah, technically – like I just pulled up the standings right now. I think technically the Heat have even moved ahead of the Bucks. They're the same. I mean – same three games back, but I guess they hold the uh, they have a slight edge in the the winning percentage department. But yeah, I mean you can't knock them out. I I think that's the that's the fun thing about the kind of the current this current Bulls team too is just that not only do they have several ways to beat you, but I just think that other than a team like Milwaukee, who I, I still would fear the most, and um, and even the 76ers, just from a standpoint of having Embiid, like they match up really well with like everyone else. I think the bulls like they, so that's why the, so the heat, I definitely think deserve to be in that conversation. I think Slim's completely right with, with making sure we don't forget them. And they've also been approved. They've proven that they can, they can do it. You know, not only has Lowry proven it on his own, but Jimmy's proven on his own. So, um, well, he did it with Kawhi Lowry, but yeah. And they both are players who have proven they can get there. So I think, uh, we have to include them, but I also think the bulls match up well with them. I think they match up well with the nets. Um, I think they match up well with, you know, the teams further down the standings as well. It's just kind of those two teams with those big, big presents for me and with, uh, with Giannis and with Embiid that are going to be scary if you end up having to tackle them, because I think those are two, two guys who can, and we have seen it, uh, win you a series. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting to see that a, a Miami series will be really fun. I mean, just having Jimmy back in the UC for those games and, Sure, there will be some really intense uh, games <laughs> with that team, so that, that would definitely be worth watching. Yeah, and the KD stuff too. I think yeah. uh, going also back to Slim's point about like, okay, just stop. You know, you can maybe you get to you. Giannis does what he he does, and then you stop everybody else. 
uh, that kind of is the method that they've used so far against um, the Nets. You know, like KD in both games that they've played, the Nets went completely off, but they were able to kind of stop everybody else. And so uh, it'll be harder with Kyrie back and their big three in the picture. But we have seen them do that already where it's like, all right, we're going to try our best to tire KD out, but we all know that no one could stop him. So it's like, let's just really make sure we, we stop anybody else from from attacking us. And Harden, they've shut down in both those games thanks to Caruso. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, good. No, I was saying, yeah, it's interesting, with the, especially with the Nets when you consider the Kyrie thing, where he's not going to be playing at home games. So it's almost like the Nets want to not have home court advantage <laughs> because because then they get Kyrie for that extra game and not have Kyrie miss a game seven if it comes to game seven. They're they're <laughs> they're lucky the Knicks aren't really good, man. <laughs> like yeah. what if there was like a, a Knicks Nets Eastern Conference Finals? He could, oh he my goodness, play. he wouldn't be able to play that series. <laughs> that would have been that would have been so funny. No, wait, but he would technically be able to play, right? Because he would be a tech. If, if it's if he's going to if it's at the Knicks, he's an away player, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. wouldn't that technically he'd be able to play? Is yeah, that I, I, that's a good point. I think he might be able to. <laughs> that's just that's, a, that's just that's a, a crazy rule. rule. It's just like the dumbest rule in the world. You can play if you were if 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 an opposing team comes in and doesn't have a vax player, they can play. But you can't play. Like neither <laughs> should be able to play. Right. <laughs> Yeah, oh it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. The NBA is a, it's a, every night is an interesting, uh, it's just, it's, a, this has been a fun, it's been a fun season, but man, has it been a, it's been a chaotic season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Elias, this has been great uh, talking to you, breaking down this win streak with the Bulls and trying to figure out what the trade targets are going to be and seeing what's on uh, the horizon for them next. So yeah, this has been an absolute pleasure. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you at and what you're working on right now? Uh, you can find me, uh, on, well, first go to bleachernation.com. Uh, we cover, uh, a bunch of good stuff over there. We cover Blackhawks, Cubs, uh, bears and bulls. And, uh, and we do a lot of, we'll just touch on national stories as well. So make sure you go over to bleachernation.com. I cover all things bulls. So bleacher nation bulls, where you can find me on Twitter. That's at BN underscore bulls. And then my personal Twitter, which has also basically all basketball content is at Schuster underscore Elias. Uh, and yeah, what I'm working on is just the day by day. I'm, uh, uh, hopefully next week I want to do a little bit more stuff on IO's defense, specifically on Beal and, uh, Trey young, but otherwise it's just kind of keeping up with this team, uh, searching for new fun storylines and follow us and, and hopefully you'll, you'll like the stuff. If you don't, well, you can unfollow us, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but stay followed or, or hate on us. As long as you're clicking and you click and then you follow and you like the tweets, that's cool too. No, reading, reading up, reading more on Io's defense is definitely going to be something uh, great to see because I mean he's he's just been on a tear and it's just been fantastic to see what he's been added to the team. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap? Yeah, I I do have a final thought. I bought this up last episode when we had Big Dave, Matt Peck, and John Sabin on, and we're talking about Pat uh, potentially coming back this season. Now you see he doesn't have anything on his wrist, like not even like a brace. Mm. Um. I, I think I think he's coming back after the All Star game this year. I think he's he's a freaky fast healer. He's like Wolverine. Like he's, he is. He is. He is. Like he's really, a, I've been thinking that too. He's like, how is he avoided not getting COVID either? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm yeah, so, I do. I do yeah. think he could be back because he he healed super fast from all those injuries. I also think the Bulls are doing this new thing. Like I feel like I'm like kind of just. I don't know. This is a theory, and there's no really real way of me checking. But I just feel like they've been doing a thing now, where it's like because of all the injury crap that they've had in the past, and like how bad they've managed it. Now they're overshooting all estimates. So yeah, which, like, which is better? Which is better? Which 100 percent is better? But I just think they're like per- definitely purposely doing it because I feel like there's been times already with like Caruso getting hurt or like whatever, where they were like, yeah, this is you know he's going to be out. We'll reevaluate him in like a week and a half, and then he's back like after a game or like two games. So like. I just think that there's instances we're seeing where like they're purposely overshooting this stuff. So I'm definitely not ruling out a late February return for, for Patrick Williams at this point. I, it would not shock me if we got news all of a sudden in a couple of weeks that he's, he's uh, starting to get shots up and, and, you know, like doing stuff. So it will be interesting. Yeah. 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 Cause like I said, you can, if you get Pat back, you add a Tory Craig, I think then you probably don't 
I think then you probably solve that issue at four. Um, mm-hmm. And that gives Pat like a good, like a month and a half, even like a month at least to get ready and prime for the playoffs. Um, obviously there's other, not, I don't, I don't know about concerns I would say, but like seeing if Pat can really, you know, step his game up to be that, you know, guy that we've been missing at the four. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing to keep monitoring because it does seem like he's progressing much faster than the original timeline. And especially with his injury that he did have, it was a pretty serious injury. So it seemed like it was a season ending injury at the very least. So it's interesting to see how quickly everything is progressing with them, at least with um, the way he's been working. Like, like, like we've seen him taking shots before games. He seems like he's, he's doing some light workouts potentially. Um, he might be past like the rehab portion for the most of it, like the the heavy rehab stuff, or maybe now he'll be doing a little bit more rehab, like picking up where he can see how strong that wrist is. But yeah, it's interesting to monitor and see how that uh, continues to develop. How long has been what, like two months since the injury? Uh, yeah, it was, it would have been on October, right? I think it was October 28th against the Knicks. So about two and, like two and a half then. So, and I think the timeline was four to six months. Yeah, yeah. it was four to six. So I think that's the thing that I'm thinking is like, I still think the timeline is going to be, I mean, four to six, that's a big gap. I think it's, but I think it still could be the right timeline. It's just, it seemed like at the beginning they kept hinting toward like, uh, it's probably going to be the six, you know, like, or it's probably going to be, you know, the later end of that. But now it feels like, there's a, I mean, who's to say it's not the the earlier half, especially if there is not uh, urgency to do something big at the uh, the deadline. Maybe that's because the front office realizes that he's closer to the you know the four month mark yeah. than the six month mark. Yeah, and then of course it's like uh, <laughs> teams always say this is like yeah we we made an acquisition we got Patrick Williams back so you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> right oh, right so like I said you know I think well I think if it was the six month that would have been essentially the season. I feel like, but like four months is probably like what March. I feel like that's, I think he's on a faster pace than even that. So we'll see. Like I yeah. said, we'll see how that all comes about. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we get some good news with uh, him going forward. And yeah, that would definitely uh, change up the strategy uh, for the trade deadline and hopefully yield some good results. But uh, that concludes this episode of Bulls Gold. As always, you can check out our past shows on the Barroom Network. You can find us on Apple Music. You can find us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us here. So for Celine Sudawala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time. Bulls.